the most anticipated debut. Looks for the change, and he'll pick up the first down on fourth and 15. And now you know what all the excitement is about. This guy can make something out of nothing. You see that? Wow. The XTV College Football Show with Andy Singleton. That is what people pay money to see. You know that? That is why people are just... We mentioned the name Le'Veon Bell before. But this is what I used to see when Le'Veon Bell was a Spartan. All righty, welcome back to Good Instincts, your weekly all-encompassing college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm your host, Andy Singleton, at People's Pen on Twitter. And I just want to thank all of the new listeners, the teams, everybody that starts listening to this starts to uh, stick around and enjoy it. So hopefully we continue to get more of you, and hopefully you like the format, like the show, like what I'm trying to do here, share it with a friend. Give it a rating, give it a review, anything you can do to help out. I appreciate it. And uh, for those new, I basically try to go through the week that was in college football. Like I said, all encompassing college football and NFL draft programs. So I'm trying to highlight players. I'm trying to highlight spreads. I'm trying to highlight lines. Now that we're just about the midway point of the season for most teams, we're entering week six of the college football season. I wanted to get a little bit more in depth. So I'm going to go a little bit more into each position this week. I'm going to start with the running backs. Uh, up until this point, I've been going over basically the highlights, the the high performers of the week at each position, the skill positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. But today I'm going to go over a little bit more of the news and a little bit more of my current running backs for the NFL draft. And uh, then we'll get into the lines, the six pick, and my weekly updated Power 10 rankings. So like I said, hope you're enjoying these and hope you continue to stick around. Without further ado, let's get into some of the news and notes of this week. Trey Potts, I've mentioned him, I think, on pretty much every episode. The Minnesota running back who took over for Muhammad Ibrahim. He was seeing all the volume and running away with things, quickly becoming one of the best running backs in the country. Suffered an undisclosed injury at Indiana this week. Uh, he was hospitalized in Indiana, remained in Indiana while the team went back to Minnesota. Still no updates to this point. Have no idea what the injury was or why he was hospitalized or what the status is currently, but prayers up for the young man. Hope he is uh, not going to be hindered by anything too serious for too long, but definitely something to keep tabs on. Trey Potts was becoming quickly one of the better running backs in the country, so hopefully nothing too serious. Uh, Over the weekend, Saturday night, I believe it was, Urban Meyer was trending new uh, head coach for Jacksonville of the NFL, but long-time college football personality. If you did not see the video, he was caught in a bar getting a a fully clothed, non-nude lap dance from a young co-ed. And uh, needless to say, he was lambasted and basically dragged through the mud on social media made a public apology to his family, to the team, to his players, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know what's going to come of it. We see this all the time. I quickly went to saying who wore a better, Jay Gruden or Urban Meyer, because, of course, Jay Gruden was caught doing something similar a couple of years ago. So I don't. I think this will blow over uh, on the national scene. But still, nonetheless, a little bit funny because Urban Meyer is one of those big names. And to see him doing something like that, it's uh, definitely going to catch attention. So... Uh, ultimately, though, I don't think this is really a story. Lane Kiffin, this to me was a little bit unnecessary. Lane Kiffin issued an apology to CBS. If you saw the game, this was I was waiting for a while for this to see Lane Kiffin at Alabama 
you know, the student and the master. And right before kickoff, they did a sideline interview with him. He said, get your popcorn out. And he took the headphone off like a mic drop. And uh, CBS ate it up. They, they were featuring it. They were talking about it. They were discussing it. And so needless to say, 24 hours later, I was stunned to see Lane Kiffin issue an apology saying, you know, it came across as maybe a little classless. And he didn't mean to throw the headset. I don't think he threw the headset at the reporter. I think it was just a little bit overblown and a little too much uh, sensitivity going on here. So... Lane, keep doing you. We love you. I do, at least. And uh, you're one of my favorite coaches in the game, so keep doing you. I thought it was great. I think everybody watching thought it was great theater and entertainment, so no need to apologize there, Coach. I got your back, and I'm sure a lot of people, uh, like myself included, would agree. Uh, speaking of Alabama, in that game, Jace McClellan, sophomore running back for the Crimson Tide, out for the year with the knee injury. This is big because... Brian Robinson, the fifth-year senior, has been taking over that backfield, but we know there's going to be some transition. There's just too much talent with all the recruiting classes they've brought in. So I'm looking at Roy Dell Williams now. Maybe it's Roy Dell Williams' time to take over the lead in that backfield. He also is a sophomore, got good size, and that's the name I'd be paying attention to. Obviously, Brian Robinson is still going to remain in the driver's seat short-term, but I think long-term this this is definitely uh, potential for Roy Dell Williams to take over in Alabama. Tosh Harris, Syracuse wide receiver, pretty highly regarded prospect and, and recruit coming out. Hasn't put it together a 1,000-yard season yet. 700 and change was is his max so far, but he's announced he's going to leave Syracuse, enter the transfer portal. Not really happy with the direction Syracuse has gone with the more mobile quarterback and not getting as many options and opportunities. So he entered the transfer portal. Kentucky is rumored to be the first school to offer him. So it uh, could be Kentucky, who's building a pretty good program. I'm going to get into them a little later with their huge win against Florida this week. But Kentucky uh, might be getting Taj Harris if Wandell Robinson stays and sticks around and Taj Harris goes there. That all of a sudden is a dynamic uh, receiving core going on in Kentucky and Lexington. If Will Levy stays, you got a nice quarterback that's developing as well. So Kentucky's offense continues to uh, be a program on the rise. So pay attention to that story with Tosh Harris if he, if he lands in Kentucky. Aaron Lowe, defensive back for Utah. This is a sad and tragic story. Uh, he was gunned down at an after party after a Utah game and um, second Utah player to be shot and killed within a year's time. So uh, they say it's unrelated. They say there's nothing really, you know, it's just a coincidence, but still a tragic tragic story for anybody let alone a program already dealing with this in the last year so rest in peace to Aaron Lowe and and you know thoughts and prayers with his family and the team and all the players there that really going through some trauma uh, at an at an early age in life it's just not anything you expect to hear or see especially in the college scene so uh sad news to report on that and then uh, final news note this week, Michael Penix, Indiana quarterback. He suffered another injury, an AC strain on his throwing shoulder, his left arm. Uh, unknown how long he's going to be out, but this guy just can't seem to stay healthy right now. And it's unfortunate because this was, was one of the more promising promising quarterbacks in the game just flat, you know, short two years ago when he was leading Indiana to some upsets and looking like the future of the position and really hasn't been able to maintain that consistency had a, a year out last year coming back this year getting bagged up again so uh, unfortunate news for Michael Panix but those were the news stories that caught my attention this week there also is one that's kind of developing with the NCAA issuing a waiver basically trying to combat all the players entering the transfer portal uh, so I'm still 
getting the, the gist of that and get my fingers around that. So maybe I'll have more to report on that next week. But uh, the NCAA looking, NCAA, NCAA looking to basically give some leeway to programs and how they recruit with all the players that are transferring now. So definitely something to maintain. The whole game, the whole landscape is changing with players entering the transfer portal, uh, eligibility now becoming something different with COVID, now with this waiver, the the NILs. So uh, the college game is rapidly changing as we've been used to it for so many years and, and still really questioning uh, what the future is right now. Paul Duncan, who is the uh, senior scout and team leader for the Expand the Box Score scouting department, made a point that how many how many guys come back for a senior year that are unexpected, that wouldn't that might normally have entered the draft, come back for their senior year of college because of the NILs, and maybe they can make more money as in endorsements than they could, you know, as a sixth round or undrafted free agent or something like that. So uh, definitely an interesting point to consider. And, and we're still trying to figure out how this landscape evolves in uh, the college football game, college sports as a whole, but definitely with college football. All right. So without further ado, let's get into the running back position. And like I said, in Previous episodes, I'd kind of gone over all the positions. I wanted to dial in a little bit more now that, like I said, we're basically at the midway point. Most teams have played five games, some only four to this point. Some have even played six. So basically, we're right at, with this week, the midway point for the majority of college programs. And I wanted to touch base with the running back position because it is a little bit deeper. Uh, If you're a Debbie player in fantasy, if you're a draft hound, if you're you know, for whatever your reason for listening to this is, um, it, it's an interesting position because there are some familiar names that we've known. And then there's some other names starting to emerge that were popular recruits coming out of high school that are just now starting to find their way again. So I'm just going to go through my current top five at the position for the NFL draft and I'll read them out one by one and then I'll go back and give you a little bit more on each player. Uh, number one right now, I have Zach Charbonnet. I might be, I don't think I'm alone in that, but I think I'm in the minority as having him as my top running back. But when you look at what this guy does, the speed, the size, the quickness, the vision, uh, receiving ability, the long speed, he's got true breakaway speed. He's amongst the college leaders in 20 plus yard plays. So this guy's getting it all done. I said, on Twitter that he kind of gives me some Derrick Henry type vibes, definitely a different type of player. But as far as just being this big bruising running back that has the quickness and speed to completely dominate. Now it's kind of interesting that, you know, this was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, went to Michigan, had a pretty decent sophomore year, and then was just kind of mired in this committee as a sophomore. Uh, Michigan only played five games last year, but still didn't really get the ball too much. I think it was 14 total carries he had as a sophomore. So goes into the transfer portal himself, goes out to the West Coast, to L.A., finds himself at UCLA as a Bruin, and just takes over the college landscape this year uh, right out of the gate. He's he just was a force and hasn't really slowed down too much. So. His potential, his size, his speed, all of the intangibles, he's kind of vaulted himself back up to number one at the position for me. And it's it's a close race. It's a 1-1A type of race with the next guy. But Charbonnet, for me, edges out. Brees Hall. Brees Hall is number two on my list. Same size, 6'1", 220. Same type of uh, player. I, Brees Hall might be a little bit more 
dynamic as far as an all-around player when you factor in the receiving abilities as well. He's also shouldered the load more for Iowa State and has been kind of the driving force for the Cyclones. This is, like I mentioned, familiar faces. This is a guy we've known about for a couple years now. He was the David Montgomery replacement. He's why Iowa State was considered to continually be a top-10 program. Obviously, they've kind of had a fallback this year, losing two games already, so they're out of major rankings, but Brees Hall has still been consistent in getting it done. His numbers this year have been phenomenal uh, to date. He is at 104 carries for 551 yards, 5.3 yards per carry. He's got eight touchdowns. He's also got 16 receptions for 117 yards. Uh, This past week, he was over 100 again, 17 carries, 123 yards. Uh, And this was a win over Kansas. He's scored a touchdown in every game. Uh, This past week was his third straight 100-plus yard and two touchdown games. So the, the production has been monstrous. He had 279 carries last year as a true sophomore. He's now a true junior. Uh, he's not going to slow down. He's you know 20.4 uh, years old right now, so he's still under 21. You know this is really just a personal preference because on paper, Brees Hall and Zach Charbonnet are almost mirror images of each other from you know, true junior status to the prospect rating coming out of high school to their size at 6'1", 220, their ages. They're both under 21. I just think there's a little less tread on the tire and a little bit more of the unknown for the ceiling that Charbonnet could get. Now, I'm not 100% sure, quite honestly, if there's a reason why he hasn't gotten the bulk of the committees he's been in. Even now, he's only got 67 carries in UCLA's five games. So uh, it's a little bit of an unknown to me if there's a reason that, you know, is he being preserved for some reason? Is is it is it you know fear of losing him, or is there something else we don't know? Um, but he's not been necessarily a workhorse, so hopefully he can get to 200 carries. He's on pace for that this year. Hopefully he can get there, and we can see like if he holds up and you know, what the final results look like. But again, you really to me can't go wrong with Brees Hall or Charbonnet at the top. You can easily flip flop you know one or the other and say that should be the number one guy. But if the draft were tomorrow, I'd be taking Charbonnet over Brees Hall right now. Number three, another familiar face, Texas A&M's Isaiah Spiller. Uh, again, uh, another true junior, similar size, 6'1", 215, similar age. He's actually younger than both Brees Hall and Zach Charbonnet. Uh, having a very good year again as well. Uh, another 100-yard game this past week with 16 carries. He's up to 68 carries for 445 yards on the season. But he's only found the end zone twice. And... Um, you know, this is another guy who can add some receiving skills, but his backfield mate, the sophomore Devin Achane, uh, I've mentioned him a bunch on this show. I'm not so sure he's not the better product or prospect of the two, and that's not to take anything away from Spiller, but it's kind of a similar situation to other backfields we've seen in recent years, most notably North Carolina last year with Javante Williams and Michael Carter. So uh, there's room for production for, you know, two players in, in a college backfield, and the fact of the matter is, Achane's been eating into some of Spiller's workload. And I don't know if that speaks more to Achane's level or Spiller's level. Not, not to take anything away from Spiller, but again, um, he, he hasn't been dominating the touches. And 
We've now seen A&M kind of in a tailspin once their starting quarterback went down. We've seen the backup, Zach Galzada, and they've now lost two straight. We went from what I thought could be a college football playoff type of season to now three and two record with losing the last two. Uh, their season's kind of it's kind of a wrap at this point. Um, they're not going to make the playoff with those two losses. So uh be interesting to see what Spiller decides to do if he comes back for a senior year or if he does declare for the draft. I do think he'll declare for the draft, and he he is definitely the clear-cut number two or three if if you consider Charbonnet and Hall a one-and-one-A situation. So uh, nothing against Spiller, but number three on my current top five list of draft-eligible running backs. Coming in number four, uh, familiar face once again, but kind of was on nobody's radar. And I'm talking about Kenneth Walker of Michigan State. He transferred from Wake Forest where this is kind of an interesting situation. Uh, if you look at Wake Forest now, they have a three-headed monster. They're undefeated. They're one of the more underrated and underappreciated teams in college right now. Still one of the remaining undefeated teams. Definitely doing it with the run game. They have, like I mentioned, three-headed monster, uh, three-headed attack rather. And Walker left that to have the his own gig in Michigan State. Again, another 21-year-old, 21 even. Uh, he's 5'10", 210. So, uh, again, good size for the position. He's leading the nation in, in rushing with 680 yards on 100 carries. He's got eight touchdowns. He's shown some ability as a receiver as well, even though he's only got three receptions. But continuing to get it done week in and week out, he to me, he's really been the surprise story of the year. He's vaulted himself into top five consideration for this class. I said I currently have him as number four on my list. He could rise even more if this continues to go. And this isn't really a surprise. I, I think people were a little taken back by the fact that he had such success. He had four touchdowns in his debut for Michigan State this year, including I think his first carry went for 90 yards and a score. He's had those type of big plays. He had a couple of those at Wake Forest. So this is definitely somebody – it shouldn't be a surprise if you're familiar with Kenneth Walker the third. Uh, I think just now seeing the volume and being able to maintain that volume is really what's catching people's attention. So Michigan State, another one of these undefeated teams. Uh, I have Michigan and Michigan State both in my top 10 right now. I'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, I think Michigan State is way better than people were anticipating this year, and Kenneth Walker is a huge part of that, and that's definitely going to factor in. Uh, I would imagine he makes himself draft eligible this year as well, another true junior uh, so I'm excited to see how much better he can be than he's already been. So it's it's a thin line between these four guys, Charbonnet, Hall, Spiller, and, and Kenneth Walker III. That's really where I draw the line as far as elite talent at the position for at least what I see as the current draft eligibles. Obviously, this can change. It's speculative, and uh, we'll see how things play out. But if you're looking at just those four guys – those are it. That's the line. You could tell me other guys like Tyler Goodson of uh, Iowa. And sure, he's, you know, I, I consider him kind of like a Travis Etienne light. Nothing against them. But if, when you're looking at that top three to five running backs in a class, you're looking for a workhorse. You're looking for a guy to build a team around. You're looking for that Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, you know, type of back. And that's kind of where the line stops for me with these four guys. So when you look at the size, when you look at the speed, when you look at the intangibles, the quickness, uh, you look at the volume, you look at the ability to carry the load, these are the four guys uh, I'm really zeroing in on. And Kenneth Walker, uh, 
at some point I'm going to do a deeper dive on him, but his vision is pretty spectacular. I mentioned his debut with Michigan State and his four-touchdown performance. It was against Northwestern. If you go back and watch the highlights of that game, watch his fourth touchdown and watch how he changed directions three times on one play from the 10-yard line to find the end zone with a dive, no less. So it was just a full display of vision, burst, quickness, change of direction, uh, desire, drive, everything. And it was all displayed on on just one play. So there's a lot to like about Kenneth Walker. I don't think he's leaped into that top three yet, but he's on the door knocking. And uh, like I said, if he can continue to maintain his pace, we might have to readjust these rankings. All right, moving on. Number four, I'm sorry, number five. This is going to come as a little bit of a surprise, uh, but Mateo Durant, he's a 22-year-old senior at Duke. I mean, at some point, you got to give credit to somebody just getting the production done. He's now at 106 carries for 636 yards. He's second in the country to Kenneth Walker for, for total rushing yards. He's averaging six per carry. He's found the end zone eight times. Uh, you know, he hasn't had the toughest of schedules, but you can only do what's in your control, and he's been highly productive each and every week. You know, whether it be over 100 yards, whether it be multiple touchdowns, he's added some receiving to the mix as well with 12 catches for 170 yards. Yeah, Mateo Durant, I I mentioned week one of the season that this was going to be a senior bowl guy that was going to take everybody's attention during the senior bowl week. And I still think he's going to be at the senior bowl. I still think he's going to have a great week and really kind of elevate himself. But I'm telling you now early, I think this is a guy that should be getting more attention. And I don't think we should be looking at him as one of these long-in-the-tooth guys. He's going to be 23 by the time, you know, his rookie season in the NFL comes around. Uh, 6'1", 195, but he's got some toughness and versatility and experience. And like I said, he's just he's doing what he needs to do when he's getting the opportunity. And... Mateo Durant is definitely somebody I think people are going to be surprised that when he gets up against better competition, which will start, you know, in a Duke Bowl or at the Senior Bowl more specifically. So Mateo Durant of Duke is another name I'm hoping people are paying more attention to. All right, let me give you one more as a bonus. And, I, I you know, th- this sophomore group, whether it be redshirt sophomores or true sophomores, is, is really next year's class is going to be uh, highly anticipated when you look at like Bijan Robinson, for example, out of Texas. But uh, Evan Hall from Northwestern, he's a redshirt sophomore. He's 20 years old at the time, right now, 5'11, 210, good size. He's got 70 carries for 509 yards. He's also added 10 receptions for 60 yards. This was a uh, three star prospect coming out of high school. Wasn't extremely highly rated, but is now starting to turn the corner, uh, is in line for his most volume to date. I mentioned redshirt sophomore, 70 carries for those 509 yards. So he's putting together a nice little season for Northwestern. And you, you could say what you want about Northwestern's schedule or, or not schedule, but record and what their offense is. They're still playing in the Big Ten, which I think is on the rise and better than people are ready to willingly admit. So he's still getting this done against the same defenses that a guy like Trey Potts, that a guy like Kenneth Walker uh, is doing it against. So you can't discount the production if he's doing it against the same type of defenses. And Evan Hull is definitely a guy that I don't think a lot of people had on their radar, but is starting to make some noise. And is definitely somebody that uh, I think can continue to rise up draft boards as the season continues to progress. So 
Once again, my current top five, well, top six running backs for what I see as the current draft eligible running backs in this class. I got number one, Zach Charbonnet of UCLA. Number two, Brees Hall of Iowa State. Number three, Isaiah Spiller of Texas A&M. Number four, Kenneth Walker III of Michigan State. At five, I have Mateo Durant from Duke. And coming in as a bonus at number six, Evan Hall of Northwestern. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed that. We'll get back into wide receivers next week and then quarterbacks and tight ends the following. And then we'll just kind of maintain an update from that point going forward uh, before we introduce some defense as the season you know, kind of winds down and we get towards bowl season. But there you have it. If you got specific questions on specific players, don't hesitate to hit me up on Twitter at People's Pen. I'd be happy to answer. And uh, definitely, like I said, once we get into the end of the season, into – Bowl season, there'll be much more draft coverage. And as, as things start to present themselves of who's declaring and who's returning, uh, we'll have a better picture. So until then, hopefully that helped you a little bit with some clarity on the running backs. One of the hottest trends in sports gaming is prop bets. Now, in recent years, daily fantasy sports has boomed as well. Thrive Fantasy is combining the two and expand the box score is the perfect complement for that. Thrive Fantasy sets it up for you to enter a contest of your choosing and then create a lineup of 10 prop bets out of a list of 20 choices. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive Fantasy has over 140,000 guaranteed in prizes for NFL Week 1 and has awarded over 4 million in cash prizes to date. These aren't some Johnny-come-latelys. They're the leader in prop betting DFS. Thrive Fantasy's featured $100,000 guaranteed contest is just 20 bucks to enter and first place takes home $20,000. What's better, XTV's advanced stats databases allow you to truly search for trends and nail those props down. We're so confident our tools can help that we're giving you a free subscription to our NFL database when you deposit $10 or more in your new Thrive Fantasy account and enter a contest. Even more than that, Thrive will give you a 100% deposit match bonus on your first $100 spent. So what do you have to lose? Go to thrivefantasy.com to check them out for yourselves. And don't forget to use the code XTB when you make a deposit for a bonus gift from us and expand the box score. All right. Maybe my favorite part of the show, going over my updated Power 10 and then into my pick six where I, I look at six games and break down the line for you. All right. My updated Power 10. I This is where I differ. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with what the AP and coaches poll say. So let me run through that real quick and tell you who they have as their top 10. And then I'll tell you mine and you, we can see where we differ. So right now in the AP, you have Alabama, Georgia, Iowa, Penn State, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Ohio State at seven, Oregon at eight, Michigan at nine, and then BYU cracking the top 10 for the first time in a while. So where do I differ? All right. Well, first and foremost, I've leaped Georgia over Alabama into the number one spot. I mean, this team just dominated Arkansas on their way to that number one spot in the country. They won 37 nothing. They've had two straight shutouts. They've looked unstoppable. That defense is arguably one of the best all time now. Uh, I don't see anything on their schedule that would rat, you know, rattle them or knock them. They might get George Pickens back towards the end of the season, which would be a huge boost to an already dominant team. So Georgia is just the fashion in which they've been winning that elevates them over Alabama for me. Alabama is still clear-cut number two in the nation. They're 5-0. and They had zero issues with Ole Miss this past weekend. Saban's now undefeated versus his assistants. They beat, you know, Matt Coral-led Ole Miss team 42-21. to But um, as good as they are and as dominant as they are, they don't look nearly as dominant as Georgia does. So 
Uh, for that reason, my power 10, I have Georgia at number one and Alabama at number two. Number three, I have Iowa. They're also 5-0. and They just thrashed an undefeated home Maryland team, 51-14 to on Friday night in Maryland. Uh, I was surprised by this. I had Maryland as my upset of the week. That was where I was calling my shot. I thought they had a week off to prepare for that game. I thought they were going to be fired up. They were 4-0 entering that game. I just thought they were going to give Iowa problems that, you know, Iowa hadn't expected. Actually, I don't think they had the week off um, prior. Um, no, they didn't. So, anyway, they were 4 and all, though. They they were facing, you know, Friday night national TV. Iowa coming into town, and it just did not go nearly as, as I expected it to. Iowa just showed how dominant they can be. Their defense is uh, – the reason they're number three in the nation is because of that defense. They have the number three defense in the nation after Georgia and Alabama. So Iowa, no surprise to me that they're, that they're this good, but they're going to be there for a while. So Iowa coming in at number three, five and home. Number four, I have to give the bump to Cincinnati. They just passed a major test in beating Notre Dame, 24 to 13. They're still not getting any respect. I, I just don't get it. I wanted this to happen for them. I was a little leery. I thought Desmond Ritter could have been picked off late in the game by Notre Dame, uh, but he rose to the challenge. He had a late touchdown and held off uh, the Irish, and they won 24-13. to This was a major, major test for Cincinnati to prove that they are the real deal. Don't forget last year they had that one loss. No, they were undefeated at the end of the season. They got passed up for the playoff. It was a little controversial. They played Georgia in the bowl game. And they lost by three to to Georgia team, who was obviously better this year, but wasn't a pushover last year by any stretch. So Cincinnati's been showing that they could play with the big boys. And Notre Dame was coming off a, a pretty big win against Wisconsin, uh, where their defense just dominated late. So for Cincinnati to come out and just hold off Notre Dame, uh, people are telling me, oh, they don't look convincing, though. They're not blowing anybody out. Their schedule's weak. Listen, it is what it is. They, they can only play who they can play. They, they have some tests on their on their, on their calendar this year, and Notre Dame was one of them, and they did what they had to do. So I think they need to start getting a little bit more respect. Uh, when we go over the quarterbacks, I'm going to tell you why Desmond Ritter is in my top five. So Cincinnati, I, I think, definitely has to be in the top four at this point. So I have them there at number four. And then number five is Penn State, 5-0. and Their defense has proven to be top five in the country. They just won 24 to nothing against Indiana. I, I mentioned Indiana lost Penix during the game to the shoulder injury, but it, this Penn State defense has been beating up on everybody all year. Uh, I, I was torn between putting them at four, but I had to give them out to Cincinnati. I really think it's kind of a five top four teams, but there's only four spots. Good news is we get to determine who that – spot should go to this week when Iowa plays Penn State so that's going to be the game of the week easily uh, number three and four in the nation but you know three and five in my power 10 Penn State is clearly one of the top five defenses to me in, this, in the country so they're easily a, a, a five and oh top five team for me Oklahoma I have at number six five and oh they narrowly escaped again this time they won by six against uh, Kansas State at Kansas State, 37-31. This is the third straight game that they've won by one score or less. Uh, we saw West Virginia almost pulled off the upset and let the let it slip through their fingertips. But Oklahoma's living on the edge. I, I think it catches up to them. We'll get into that in a moment. They play Texas this week, and I think uh, it's finally the shoe's finally going to fall off. But Oklahoma, 
you got to give them credit and you got to give them the, that sixth ranking. They're still undefeated. So I have Oklahoma at number six in my power 10. Number seven, I have Kentucky. Uh, I thought they were capable, but I, honestly, I, I'll admit, I was shocked to see them beating Florida this week, 20 to 13. The Wildcats were actually fined, I think it was $250,000 for the fans storming the field after this win. Uh, but that just shows you how big Kentucky you know, how, how far they've come. This is not considered to be a football school. It's considered to be a basketball school. As we know, their program has been getting better and better and better by the year. And now they're 5-0. and They're in the top 10, and they just beat a Florida team that was, you know, this was considered an upset. So Florida's only loss on the year so far was to Alabama in a close game, and now Kentucky holds them off at, at home. Uh, I definitely think this is a, a team that is starting to get their due. Uh, I've been on them for a little bit, but I'm happy that the nation's starting to catch up. I'm happy they're in the top 10. All right, this is where things get a little dicey. I have Michigan at 8. They're 5-0. and People are still questioning the Big Ten, and they're going to continue to question it with every Michigan win. Michigan's another one of those teams that just doesn't seem to get any respect. I tweeted out after their win on Saturday, at what point do we start to believe that this team is for real? Because I certainly do. And immediately I was getting backlash. Um, people assuming I thought that meant they were national title contenders. No, pump the brakes. I was not going that far in any stretch of the imagination. That's just simply to say, I think this is finally the type of team that Harbaugh was trying to put together at Michigan. I don't think they're as dynamic in the passing game as they need to be to, to win some of the close games they're going to be up against down the stretch. Uh, but I definitely think the Big Ten is good again. And this is after a couple down years. Uh, I don't know that people are ready to really buy into it yet because these are some of the blue bloods of the country. And they have huge fan bases, and some of these losses that Michigan and Penn State and uh, uh, Nebraska, for instance, with Scott Frost coming back, some of these losses and, and poor years have really, really kind of made people a little bitter. And I think people are a little hesitant to jump back onto the Big Ten being a good conference. But listen, I'm here to tell you it is. And Michigan's 5-0, and and they're beating the teams they need to beat. So they clearly deserve to be in the top ten to me. You know, we're going to see what happens as this continues to go. They have some tough games coming up on their schedule, one of which is this week. Uh, but right now I have them at number eight. Number nine, BYU. I put them at nine, not ten, as the AP has. They're 5-0. and They're quietly beating some quality teams. The only problem is it usually comes after hours on the East Coast. Uh, most of the games have been after 10 p.m., some ending after midnight. So not everybody's been really hip to the fact that the Cougars are – they lost a lot of guys to the draft last year. Zach Wilson, most famously, but they're really good. And they're led by a, a talented uh, running back in Tyler Algier. And um, they're not going away. And they have a big test uh, this, this coming weekend, but I'm going to get into that game in a moment as well. Uh, but BYU definitely deserves to be in the top 10. And rounding it out at number 10, I have another Michigan team in Michigan State. Listen, I give credit to the undefeated teams. I don't like when there's undefeated teams still left in the country, especially from Power 5 conferences, and they're getting leapfrogged for, for those top spots by teams that have a loss already or even two. Uh, so Michigan State still undefeated at 5-0. Their resume is starting to grow. They have the unblemished record to match. I definitely think they belong in there. Uh, I think they're quietly a better team that people want to recognize. But uh, as I mentioned with Kenneth Walker III, he's the, the driving force behind that. So... We'll see if that can continue. If anybody on this list is uh, vulnerable at being 
remaining in this top 10. I would say Michigan State and BYU are the top two for me. Uh, so right now, though, that's where they're at. So there you have it, my updated power 10. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Alabama. Number three, Iowa. Number four, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Number five, Penn State. Number six, Oklahoma. Number seven, Kentucky. At eight, I have Michigan. Followed by BYU at nine. And rounded out by number 10, Michigan State. My updated power 10 after week five. The stock market is tried and true, and NFTs are the latest rage in digital currency. So what's better than combining this with your love for the sports world? Simply put, nothing. Symbol Exchange allows you to take ownership in your favorite franchises. From the NFL to the NBA, Major League Baseball, and now even college football as well, Symbol Exchange allows you to buy, trade, and sell shares of these franchises in their marketplace. Additionally, your teams will accrue real cash with every victory they achieve in real life. Two ways for your franchise to appreciate in value. XTB is so excited to partner with Symbol, and we'd love for you to see them for yourself, that we are giving you a free year subscription to all of our advanced stats databases and tools. That's a free $40 value when you deposit 25 or more into a new Symbol Exchange account. So what are you waiting for? Go to symbol.app to check them out for yourselves, and don't forget to use the code XTB when you make a deposit for a bonus gift from us right here at Expand the Box Score. All right, let's get into the six pick. Now, if you are into the lines in any form or fashion, whether it be the over-unders, the totals, whether it be the money lines, the, the spreads, you know don't get too cocky, don't get too down on yourself. Uh, there's going to be good weeks, there's going to be bad weeks. I was 20-7, and seven, 74% accurate last week on my picks in week five. That was not including the six pick, so just to kind of give you some some uh, a disclaimer, some clarity. The six pick is my early look at the top six games on the schedule for the week. So it's usually the top 25 teams. It's usually the, you know, the games on national television. It's usually the games that people are going to be watching. And I make these picks based on gut, you know, what I think of each team and why I think the line is, is good or bad. Uh, but my actual picks on Saturday, which is why you should be following me on Twitter because I tweet them out before each slate. So we got the noon slate, then the 3.30 slate, 7 p.m. and then 10 p.m. Those picks are more of a formula, more mathematical. I have a, you know, a, a little algorithm I put each game through, and that's all the information I, I put out, uh, what, what, what the algorithm dictates. So there's no heart put into this. There's no emotion put into it. It's just what the numbers say. And after, after roughly three games, you know, things start to balance out. The accuracy starts to pick up. So this past week, week five, 27 picks, 20 of them were correct. So out of every four games, three were right, 74%. So take that for what it's worth. Hopefully we can continue that trend. Hopefully you'll follow me on Twitter so you can get those for yourself. But let's get into this week's six pick. And first game I got on here is number six, Oklahoma at number 21, Texas. This is going to be at noon on ABC on Saturday. The Sooners, they've been flirting with disaster since week one when they were down early to Tulane. And as I mentioned, West Virginia, let it slip away from them. They had Oklahoma on the ropes. Oklahoma's won by one score in each of its last three. Texas, right now, the Longhorns are licking their chops to get back into the CFB playoff hunt after losing to Arkansas just a few weeks ago. With their pending move to the SEC looming and Arch Manning still potentially in the mix to join Sarkeesian and the Longhorns, I'm expecting a victory for the home team 
And when I say victory, I mean a flat-out victory. Oklahoma's currently the favorite at minus 3.5 with the total at 63.5. I'm taking Texas straight up in the money line. Right now it's about plus 140. I think this is a Texas win. I think Oklahoma finally goes down. I think the shoe finally falls off. I think Texas has too much to play for. Uh, I think they can get it done. They have a deep and talented team. They only have that one loss to Arkansas, which now looks a little bit better in hindsight with what Arkansas has been able to do. So if Texas can beat this team, uh, they might be number one in the driver's seat in the Arch Manning sweepstakes. They might get themselves back into uh, playoff scenario contention. So I like Texas to just flat out win this game. So I'm looking at the money line there. Second game on the list, number 13, Arkansas at number 17, Ole Miss. This is going to be also at noon on Saturday. This game will be on ESPN. All right. Both teams were humbled in week five after playing the number one and number two teams in the nation. Of course, Arkansas played Georgia and Ole Miss played Alabama. They were both humbled and brought back down to earth. Now, while their hopes were high entering things, it was evident this is a two-horse race for the national championship with the aforementioned Georgia Bulldogs and Alabama Crimson Tide. Who rebounds better is going to be hard to read because this was a big emotional letdown for both clubs. Now, I do buy into the Rebels being slightly deeper and more balanced. And let's not forget, Matt Coral is still looking for some of his own individual hardware in the Heisman race. You know, uh, at just one touchdown of a margin, I think this is well within reach. And uh, I definitely think Ole Miss can hold them off. Currently, they are favorites at six and a half. And the total is 66 and a half. So I think Ole Miss can be a touchdown better than Arkansas in this game. Ole Miss being the home team. So I like Ole Miss minus six and a half this week. All right, third game. Number two, Georgia at number 18, Auburn. This is Saturday at 3.30. This will be on CBS. So somewhat the game of the week. This line makes entirely zero sense to me. Right now, it's Georgia minus 14 and a half. (laughs) I think Arkansas is arguably better than Auburn or at least within the same range. We just witnessed Georgia absolutely annihilate them and easily cover the 18.5-point spread that was uh, in that game last week. This game comes in with a lower margin, but it's the same dominant Bulldog team. They're not going to stop rolling, and they're seeking their third straight shutout. So, you know, as as was made famous, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Uh, The beatings are going to continue for all of Georgia's opponents. So how this line is less than what – the line was against Arkansas last week. I have no idea. It's currently Georgia minus 14 and a half. The total is 45 and a half. I, I think Georgia easily covers that. If you want to get it under the two touchdown mark and buy it down a point to minus 13 and a half, I'd see no issues with that, but I think they can easily cover this. And I think they might, I think they might beat the over alone uh, by themselves of 45 and a half. So we saw them put up 37 on Arkansas. I think they can easily do that against Auburn. Uh, if you go back to that Georgia-Arkansas game, it, it wound up falling under, but that first quarter, they, they were definitely on pace to hit the over last week as well. So uh, I think Auburn might be able to find the end zone once, maybe put up a field goal as well. Maybe they can squeeze out 10 points. Uh, so if you factor in Georgia being able to put up 35 to 42 on their own, you're looking close. But definitely I'd, I'd stick with Georgia at the minus 14 and a half. All right. Number four, Boise State at number 10, BYU. This is going to be on ABC, also at 3.30. To me, this is the most disrespectful line of the week. I admittedly, I pumped up Utah State in week four, and Boise made me pay for that. 
make no mistake, BYU is the surprise team of the season, and they're a very legit top 10 program. I say that because they're playing Boise State at home this week, and Boise, they're not what they've been in years past, but they're they're not a pushover either. Uh, now BYU gets to show it on a national stage, and they're better than a one-score cover over Boise. I think this gap should be much higher. It's currently a minus five BYU line. Um, I definitely think it should be much higher, which makes me confidently grab the easy points being given to the Cougars here. The total is 56 and a half. Uh, I don't see how BYU can't cover the five, so I definitely love this. This this might be my no-brainer gimme of the week. Uh, so look for BYU to easily cover a touchdown, if not more, over Boise State. Number five, 4 p.m. on Fox is number four, Penn State at number three, Iowa. It feels odd that the Big Ten has been down for so long, and it seems people are still hesitant to buy back in with their belief of it. I mentioned this a little bit ago, but this is a great matchup, and these defenses are really what's driving their records. These two teams are ranked appropriately with how I think their defenses should be ranked. Uh, When you look at the quarterback position, I've been going over this a bit uh, here and there, but Sean Clifford for Penn State is playing himself into the draft. And Tyler Goodson, as I mentioned before, he might be Travis Etienne light. So... I'm really torn on this line. I'm not torn on the defenses, making me lean towards the under, as anemic as it is. The total right now in this game is 40 and a half, which is really kind of bizarre to think of, of, of a line being that low. But these two defenses are really, really good. Uh, it's currently Iowa minus two as a slight favorite. I'm really torn on the winner here. I think it could go either way. I think I would take the under. We saw Penn State and Wisconsin battle to a, a similar score that would have fallen under earlier in week one. Uh, I, I don't think this game will be too different from that. So it, I'd be I'd be surprised to see six, six touchdowns in this game, which would mean the under would hit. So I would look to under 40 and a half for Penn State and Iowa this week. And finally, my last game of the six pick is UTSA at Western Kentucky. This is uh, not going to be televised. It's going to be 7 o'clock on Saturday. All right, the secret is out in my love of the Roadrunners, but apparently the rest of the college football world still isn't sold on UTSA. Yes, Western Kentucky can put points on the board, but so can UTSA. Let's not make any mistake about it. Their offense is, is talented, and their defense is pretty good. The Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky haven't been able to put wins together despite the points they can put on the board. They have a, they don't even have a winning record at this point. And this is the toughest defense they will face to date. Memphis is a good offensive team, and UTSA showed that it was no match for them. So I said the Roadrunners could go undefeated. I meant it. Let's keep the good times flowing. Currently, UTSA is an underdog getting three and a half points for this game. I know Western Kentucky's at home, but I don't think they're going to win the game, period. So you're giving me three and a half for the UTSA Roadrunners. I'm all over it. The total is 69 and a half. This is a little bit of a, I think of a a sucker bet, if you will, a ploy. Uh, I I think when you look at the points Western Kentucky's been putting up all year, you'd lean towards saying, oh, this game will definitely go over. But I do think the... Uh, UTSA San Antonio, the UT San Antonio, Texas San Antonio. I can't even get that out. But I do think the Roadrunners will be able to stop and slow down the Hilltoppers offense. So I I think that over, that total is a little too high. But the points certainly give me UTSA plus three and a half. I'd even say the money line on that one uh, because I do think UTSA will remain undefeated and beat Western Kentucky this week. So there you have it, my sixth pick of the week. If you want a quick recap of that, 
I have Texas upsetting Oklahoma, so I'm taking Texas on the straight money line. I have Ole Miss at minus 6.5 over Arkansas. I have Georgia covering 14.5 on the road at Auburn. I have BYU covering 5 at home against Boise State. I have Iowa and Penn State uh, going under 40.5. And And then I have UTSA at Western Kentucky with the Meep Meep Roadrunners of UTSA covering and getting the 3.5 and and, and winning. So take the money line UTSA there as well. All right, you can hashtag your favorite line or game of the week. Hashtag it, call your shot. At me on Twitter, at People's Pen. Let me know who you think is the big underdog and who you think will be the big upset. Uh, Don't forget this show is now on iTunes uh, in addition to Spotify and basically anywhere you can find a podcast. So search for Good Instincts. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. Try to leave a review. Try to leave a five-star rating. I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Don't forget to check out our great sponsors, the Thrive Fantasy app and also symbol exchange and by all means don't forget to check out expand the box score and all the good things we're putting out content wise and our backbone our advanced statistics we have advanced statistics for college for the nfl incredible uh you can filter and search however you choose we have defense individual defense we have team uh stats we have uh broken down by every skill position as well so go check out and get yourself a subscription to xdb if you haven't done so already all right hopefully you have a good week hopefully you enjoyed this hopefully you'll be back next week when i go over wide receivers for the draft and some more games and uh the updated power 10 so That's going to wrap it up for this week. Hope you enjoyed, and I will talk to you guys later. Adios. What you know about rolling down in the deep? When your brain goes numb, you can call that mental freeze. When these people talk too much, put that shit in slow motion. Yeah, I feel like an astronaut in the ocean. What you know about rolling down in the deep? When your brain goes numb, you can call that mental freeze. When these people talk too much, put that shit in slow motion. Yeah, I feel like an she say that I'm cool. I'm like, yeah, that's true. I believe in G O D. Don't believe in T H O T. She keep playing me dumb. I'm a player.